Self-care game podcast should not be considered as or replaced with therapy. If you're currently experiencing a mental health crisis, please reach out to your local mental health authority or the suicide crisis hotline. What's up, gang? It's your girl, Dez, also known as Desi Cakes. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Dev, also known as Sent from Devin. And this is Self-Care Gang Podcast. Welcome to episode... Five. Yeah, episode five. Dang, it's crazy. Ooh, how was your week? You know, my week was... It's been refreshing, it's been a week off of social media and just, you know, taking it day by day, being able to live in the moment. Just getting back to my self-care routine, just focusing on uh, making sure that I journal, making sure I go running or go for a walk, get outside, get some vitamin D. Just getting back to the basics because I felt like it was a lot going on mm. and I was losing myself. So getting back to me. Well, I'm glad you took that moment, girl, because I'm still on social media. <laughs> Y'all don't think I ever took a social media very, but you know, like ever, ever. Dang. Um, how people say like cluster, you know, judgment or like it, it gets overwhelming. It really don't get overwhelming to me, but I don't be on it like all day, every day either. So I feel like you do. <laughs> you feel like I do. I you always post it. Um, I post and I get right back off. Oh, <laughs> see, maybe that's my problem because I <laughs> I see some and then I be on somebody's sister, mama, cousin, brother page, and now I know all the family secrets. And girl, I even... like you did, I feel like you do. Y'all hear that, this bitch? Damn. Okay, I do kind of be on there, but it don't be bothering me like that. It don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think it's just the amount of you know information being consumed because when, before social media we didn't get this much information like unless you watch the news all day long and even then it was kind of repetitive and like it is now but social media like you'll see what a thousand po- posts an hour or something if you just on there scrolling yeah but i have a hyperactive brain so my brain is just kind of just maybe it's used to it i don't know <laughs> maybe how was your week my week was cool. Um, I really can't remember what I did. I don't know. I kind of got an attitude today because I'm PMSing. So <laughs> I really want some candy right now. But anyways, but that, I mean, I don't got nothing to go into detail about, honestly. <laughs> so let's get into the media segment. All right. Okay, so the first thing we're going to hop in um, for the media segment is Bubba Wallace. I wonder if his name is really Bubba. When I saw that, I was like, this is like the blackest name. Like, this nigga's name is Bubba and he in NASCAR. I know they on his ass, (laughs) which is basically what we're about to talk about. So basically, Bubba found um, a noose in his garage, or really as like on his garage, um, 
backstory. Did I say he was a NASCAR driver? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, he found a noose on his little garage. And, yeah, and the FBI investigated and said it was not a noose, that it was a garage pulley. And that's bullshit because it was definitely a noose. Did you see the picture? No, I didn't see the picture. Actually, let me Google it now because... <laughs> but you like, I believe it anyways. Right. I don't even need to see no evidence at this point. Everybody full of shit. So... I'm tired of FBI. Like, you know, um, Amanda Seals was hosted the BET Awards. And then she was like... She started out saying, y'all said I always talk about race. Bitch. And I always do the most. But guess what? I've been telling y'all everybody was racist. <laughs> Wait, I just looked at the photo. This is a goddamn news. What are they talking about? I got a garage and it don't look like this to pull it down. I wouldn't pull it. My garage would be forever up. Yeah. That's preposterous. It's literally a rope. It's with, a noose. Yeah. Like, it's not. <laughs> it got like, what? what is that? Like seven knots and it's just like a noose or whatever. Man, whatever. Yeah, it's definitely People full of shit. See, this is what we be talking about when we be saying this shit is so embedded in America's DNA. No, that's not what we talking about. That's just people being fucking stupid. What you mean? The FBI? Yes. No, that's that's what I'm saying. It's embedded in America's DNA for the FBI to look at that and be like, that's a garage pulley. They doing that shit on purpose. That's, that's, no, that's I know no they doing that way. on purpose. They, but, but that's not even something that, you know, okay, maybe we mistook it or like, that's definitely a fucking news. They just don't like us. At all. They'll get over it though. Cause. And how did, I mean, how many years has this guy been driving for NASCAR? For me not to know that it was a black man named Bubba doing NASCAR. That's kind of wild. Yeah, it's been all types of tweets of people saying, like, of g- different gifs talking about me supporting um, Bubba Wallace <laughs> when I never supported um, NASCAR a day in my life. So. Yeah, I did, I did see that um, when they had the Beyonce meme with her mm-hmm. at the, uh, supporting Serena and with mm-hmm. her hands up. Yeah, that shit is funny. So speaking of just how America is, um, you hear about cops getting canceled? Girl, yes. And okay, so here's the thing. I'm I'm all for being canceled. Uh, in no way, shape, or form do I think that the, it should not be canceled. It definitely like it should have been canceled a long time ago. It shouldn't even been up. But I grew up watching that. Girl, why you watch that? I don't know. I'm gonna have to ask my parents about this because we was yeah. definitely. I mean, not like all the time. But I do remember watching that as, like, a child. That's gross. I was, <laughs> it is gross, but I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm sorry to, the, I'm sorry to those people. Um, I watched First 48, but them niggas was really on there killing people, so. Right. But, I mean, that's gross, too. It that was for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> We're the gross sisters. Oh, uh, girl. Mm-mm. I'm not manifesting that in my life. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I'm glad it's, it's off. It don't need to be on there. Yeah. Along with that, um, Brianna Taylor. Any thoughts? Okay. So, yeah, we just need to... Let's just not. Let's just not. I, I just want people to just call the Attorney General... And call it a fucking day. Like, let's stop with the memes. Let's stop with everything else. Stop trying to go back to your regular content, but include her name. That's not okay. Like, if it was your family member, or if it was your sister, your friend, 
like you would not want people having her name as a caption on some like cute shit like oh you took a cute picture and you just gonna caption it beyond brianna taylor and who actually got called out for this was ducky thought girl look at this page and i mean she's been very vocal with everything that's going on so i don't think that it's called for like oh she got to be canceled um just a moment of learning yeah it was she just need to you know take a minute digest it and don't do it again because that was just it was insensitive to say the least did she delete it um i believe that she did delete if you google it it'll come up but it was just like a regular picture of her a cute picture and it's like i understand that people want to return back to regular content they want to you know still black lives matter but i still gotta get these coins and post stuff but yeah don't don't let's just not let's not go that far and and try to minimize what it's actually for yeah i agree see um I don't think it's anything wrong with the memes if you're having a call to action to go along with it. Like, uh, click the link in my bio to sign a petition or something like that. Because in reality, like when it comes to content creation, most, whatever you're known for, like whatever you're known for as far as like type of content you make. So for Ducky Thought, like she's probably known for like her selfies and stuff. Like people like to see mm-hmm. that. That's going to grab your audience's attention. So that picture grabs the audience's attention and you see the caption like, oh, Brianna Taylor signed the position in my bio or um, click the link in my bio to send an email to the governor or whatever. That that will be using your platform for good while also kind of trying to return back to regular content. Right. Well, I think as far as the content goes, I'm all for posting a picture and then hashtag Breonna Taylor or whatever. But she said like anyways, comma, Breonna Taylor. And that was just like, "Mm, my goodness. I think she got that from that tweet. Right. It was a tweet that was like that. Right. And and that's what I'm saying, though. Like just post. There are plenty of artists that have um, made pictures or artwork of Breonna Taylor, what she's looked like. And just post that with Brown Taylor or post your regular content. But these memes, like, I understand you think it's okay for the memes as long as it's a call to action. But, like, that whole it's a nice day to arrest the murderers of Brianna Taylor, like, that desensitizes, in my opinion. And yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, it's just, to me, it just makes people skip it. Because, like, mm-hmm. oh, everybody's just trying to be outwitty each other. Yeah, true. And then nobody else is doing, like, none of these other black deaths are getting treated like that. So. Yeah, and for it Which to be a black odd. woman, yeah. and this is how it's going, it's not yeah. not a good look. And it's crazy because this is the most clear-cut um, case. Well, the attorney general, so let me look up his name because I forgot his name. I think it's, like, Andrew something. Uh-huh. You talking about how he just had a engagement party? Did he have an engagement party? Girl, let me show you this. My girl Amanda posted it. <laughs> so, hold on. Oh, dang, it was deleted. Oh, no, here you go. Um, oh, so his white woman. Yeah, he just got engaged to a white woman. Okay. So, the Kentucky Attorney General, Daniel Cameron. Daniel Cameron, y'all. 
um, had an engagement party this past weekend Mm-mm. instead of charging the killers. Mm-mm. I'm not here for it. Like, Me neither. But, but the thing is, he's a Trump supporter. So that's why all oh, of this he's is taking... She's an Uncle Tom, y'all. Yeah, so that's why everything is taking longer and it's like not swift action with it and all of that because he's a Trump supporter. He's trying not to lose out on his endorsement. And or just like the connections that he has, because obviously he's trying to be in the white world and not the real world. Um, mm. But I would encourage everybody to leave sis. I'm gonna call him sis. I'm gonna leave leave our good sis Daniel a message at not our good sis. <laughs> well, our bad sis mm-hmm. <laughs> at five zero two six nine six five three zero zero. And press one to leave a voicemail for the attorney general and in regards to Breonna Taylor. So that is the number that you would call. It literally says press one if this is regarding Breonna Taylor. And leave them a message about how you really feel and what actions that you need to take. It doesn't have to be like super professional or well thought out. It can just, be just like, Rachel, you big, fat, nasty, <laughs> smelling ass bitch. Why are you taking me off the schedule? You won't. <laughs> Y'all, ah. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. I Daniel, mean, I you guess big, you... fat, nasty, smelling ass bitch. Why you ain't rest the killers of Brianna Taylor? You nasty ass, ugly ass, Uncle Tom ass, bitch. white, white, Beyonce <laughs> having ass bitch. <laughs> yeah, you can leave that. We yeah, just leave need all to get that shit on there. Okay, actually, I'm gonna do that tomorrow. Right? Period. Yeah, do do <laughs> do the work. Do the work. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, definitely do that. Um, but also, let's talk about... Let's talk about Trump. sex, baby. Girl, no. Yeah, but not <laughs> Not sex, but we're going to talk Anytime about Trump. Anytime somebody says that, I think about that. But, yeah, let's talk about... <laughs> oh, no. Okay, we got to start over because... Okay, let's we're, talk we're about cor- Trump. We're not correlating <laughs> Trump and sex at all. Because he ain't nothing nobody want to have sex with, including his wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyways. So, you hear about Trump getting a warrant issued by Iran due to killing um, that general that he issued to get killed last year? Girl, I'm just now getting familiar with it, but I want them to... <coughs> Excuse me. Go, go ahead and let us know more on what happened. Um, that's really about it. It's just really ghetto <laughs> that our president had a, issue, a warrant issue, like ghetto. He want to talk about, like, he had the nerve to be racist and have all these biases against criminals people and Mexicans. And he's Bugs. the one that's ghetto. Like, he's ghetto as hell. And it's disgusting. Trump, really you big, fat, nasty ass bitch. <laughs> you... <laughs> I mean, he's just not, okay? I mean, he is all that. But. I cannot stand his ass, y'all. Ooh, I don't know. I don't like that nigga more than um, R. Kelly. And if you know me, you know I cannot stand R. Kelly ass. You would have thought I knew him personally. But anyways, but yeah, he just ghetto. Yeah. And, and all that. But I want him to, I want them to give him the same treatment that they do anybody else with some warrants. I want them to show up at his fucking job. And know that he there and arrest him at his fucking job. <laughs> I reckon I do that. But if he does still foot on in their country, he could get arrested. But I was talking to like, you know, some people in the military and they was like, um, he it's possible for him to get like 
charged after he's not president. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I mean, that's not possible. And then his attorney is already like stating that Trump is kind of like above their law and all that. Just dumb shit. But speaking of him not being president, um, there's been reports today on Fox News, and y'all know they love Trump on Fox News, um, from sources from the GOP stated that Trump's current mental health is fragile, air quotes, that's very biased, but hey. It's so Trump. is his hairline. <laughs> True. But um, his mental health is currently very fragile, and it's a possibility if poll numbers does not improve that he may <laughs> drop out of the race. And oh, God, I, now I see why they reported it because they trying to guilt trip people into how, getting those poll numbers up. Girl, he is not getting back in the office. In, in I don't think it's possible at this point. He, the way that he's handled, he handled the pandemic. <laughs> and then how he handled this whole millennial civil war. That's the name that I gave it myself. Um, so I just, are we not included? Hmm? What are we? We're, We're millennials, girl. How you don't oh. know what you are? I know you didn't think he was a genius. I be forgetting. It's all these terms. Girl. Um, but anyways, <laughs> y'all. Just how he handled all this was horrible. Especially the pandemic. The pandemic was handled very poorly i mean honestly are we really surprised how he handled like all the race relations going on right now no this is a man who built his first campaign on build the wall so i'm not surprised yeah and then he recently also um released like a video advertisement where one of his supporters was um yelling white power what and he he re, well he didn't release it but he retweeted a video of it and said oh something around God. the um listen these, if these white people start running around here talking about white power girl I'm just waiting for a Karen to, <laughs> to catch me off guard like to try to call me catch me outside Karen because y'all I'm gonna I'm gonna be smiling in jail <laughs> in that mud shot I'm just waiting for a Karen to try me. For real. Listen, we're going to have to do the episodes like uh, JT did. (laughs) (laughs) Let a Karen try me. Try me. (laughs) This is a collect call from What's Up Y'all Self Care Gang. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is that. I'm going to be calling for my jail cell. But yeah. So, how you feel about all that with Trump? It's a lot. Girl, fuck Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Doom, doom. I don't know how the rest of the beat go for YG, but I, I, I fuck with the lyrics of I, just or the chorus. That's what I fuck yeah, with. Yeah, I really don't listen to him. But. Yeah, he a little wild. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's fuck Trump forever. I really don't even. Well, you said there's no way that he can get in office, but I try to never like say that because I felt like that's what we all thought the first go round. Mm-hmm. And he ended up fucking winning. So you just never know. I, and not I'm that just I thinking believe, the state of the country right now. I just don't yeah. see it happening. Especially with black folks. We've woken up. Yeah, but let's not forget that a lot of people voted for Harambe. Who? The the gorilla. There there are people that wrote in Harambe. I didn't know that. Yes. 
Like, it was, like, a good amount of people, like, thousands of people that wrote in the fucking gorilla that killed that kid. That must have been when I went on Twitter. <laughs> but, um... That's where I get all my news from Twitter. Right. I know. It's killing me that I'm not on there. I know. I'm, I'm over like, here telling you stuff. You're like, for real? And I'm like, girl. I'm like, bitch, what? <laughs> Twitter is a T, honey. It is. It's the T. The T, me, the T in Twitter stands for Because Facebook and uh, Instagram get everything... To two to three business days late. Mm-hmm. Facebook like a week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, enough about Trump. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, oh wigger. So Can we, Can we say that? Is that offensive? Uh, yeah. I don't know that. Oh. I don't know. I mean, I really don't <laughs> care, honestly. Right. I'm like, do they even know that? Okay, whatever. Anyways, well, on to our main segment. Oh no no no! We got one more. Oh, Damn okay. girl, you ready to move on? <laughs> Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, one more thing. So it was another debate on Twitter that came about, about black versus Africans. So if you don't know the difference, let me explain a little bit more. So black Americans versus Africans that are like from like Nigeria or West Africa, anywhere in Africa, basically, Mm -hmm. or like they're more like they're connected they can be born in america but their parents are like they're like first generation so that's what we're referring to um so basically on twitter it was this tweet um debate going on that i came across and one tweet said i don't know who started this lie that african americans don't have culture in fact they don't have just one culture they have multiple and i just thought that was really interesting because that's always a debate um I've like going through like the whole debate on Twitter. I've seen some Africans say that um, Black Americans don't have culture, but in the same sentence, she was like, "Their culture is is all cap, but you use our slang." So (laughs) I'm confused. Cap is not an African word. (laughs) Cap is definitely a Black American word, and. So yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit and just kind of get your thoughts on it and discuss that. You know, to be honest, I've been like friends with uh, like African Americans that are like first generation African Mm -hmm. families that have come over and um, I've also um, in a past life dated some. And, you know, I've I've been envious of their culture because Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, like, y'all really have traditions that y'all pass down. Y'all mm-hmm. really, like, know your roots and know, like, you can literally go back to Africa and be out there chilling because that's your family mm-hmm. out there. Like, and it's wild to me, and it's a beautiful concept. Um, but I think the thing is with us is we have cultures in our own way. And just like this tweet said, um, we don't have one culture. We have multiple. So you have black Americans in the South. You have black Americans that are, like, in New in the York. North, yeah. Yeah. Or um, from the West Coast. It's so many different cultures within the Black American experience. And it's also understandable for us to feel a little disconnected because from our origin. Because, you know, they basically snatch us up. And we don't really, most of us can't even trace back to, you know, that stuff. They wiped us from our culture. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, like... That African culture is most likely ours because most of the slaves came from West Africa. So most of us are probably like Nigerian or Cambodian or Ghanaian. Most of us are Can probably... Can Jamaican? No, because most of the Jamaicans are like Nigerian too. I, so I could be both? Because the slave trade went through 
Jamaica. I just wanted to tell me yes because I like their Jamaican. I don't think and I like their accent. I don't think Jamaican is like a race or ethnicity. It's more like a nationality. Citizen, yeah, citizenship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Just, you know, I'm having a little off day. You know, I'm <laughs> okay. spending time to myself. This is what happens when you're off but social yeah, media. You slaves just... <laughs> were dropped off in Jamaica too. So you know, they're probably most Jamaicans are like West African. So, yeah, it's normal for us to feel disconnected, but to say that we don't have culture, we don't have culture, like, we still had that culture, don't get it twisted, because we were taken, that was taken away from us, but we don't have culture like them, if that makes sense, like, with the African print, the yeah. dashikis, and the, the foods, but in reality, we got soul food, or like, right. you know, catfish got, and spaghetti. Right, so. we have like, I, I consider it to be like, um, like a culture that's derived from slave times, because yeah. there are a lot of things that we do nowadays that originated there, like how some people that should never disclose it, eat chitlins. Like, mm-hmm. that was definitely, like, slave food, mm-hmm. and that's where that comes from. Yeah. So, like, don't, I mean, don't tell nobody that you eat that, because that's but nasty. But then, also, it seems like we're <laughs> still kind of connected to Africa in some ways through our foods, mm-hmm. because, like, you also have friends that are African, and I've dated plenty of men that are African, um, straight from Africa, and also ones that are first generation. So, I've had, like, you know, Nigerian food, Ghanaian food. And it's very, like, similar. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy how similar. So it's, like, kind of like our ancestors remembered, like, how to right. cook it. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was just passed down. But it's still very, like, black American. So I think it's very inaccurate to say black Americans do not have culture. Cause yeah, because how dare you try to insult us and our baked mac and cheese? Like, yeah. who else is making that? Why exactly. people not baking mac and cheese? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think the only... This whole debate just really just separates Africans and black Americans more. And I think the only way we could, like, bridge the gap if we were more, like, welcoming to each other. So, welcoming the Africans to, like, our cultures and stuff like that. Honestly, they pick up on it once they come over here anyways. Right. And But I think Africans need to be a little bit more welcoming as far as their culture and kind of just put us on game about some of the things they do back home or mm-hmm. some of the foods they eat and some of the things that they celebrate. So Right. And I think it's kind of... Um... I mean, it's it's honestly dumb to try to say that black Americans don't have a culture because when Africans come here, they assimilate to us. And that's what somebody <laughs> told me, like literally, like somebody African told me that, like, because I just had the debate with him. Like and he they said literally the same thing. try to fit in with black Americans. I remember when I went to high school, I didn't know the difference between black and African because everybody acted and talked the same. And then we went to college, and they had the, the flags and the bios, and all. Yeah, like, they had oh. the um, what was it called? The um, the African, African Student Association. Yes, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, everybody was African. I was like, wait, huh? Same. I didn't realize we were different until um, college. But I think that also goes along to say, like back in school, like when we were younger in high school, middle school, 
and elementary, people did used to call them African booty scratchers. So they probably kept it. <laughs> you get on nerves. So they probably kept, they was probably embarrassed about it and they really didn't tell people. Yeah. But then I feel like once we got to college, people were like more proud of their culture. Not saying they wasn't proud of their culture. They're more vocal and open about yeah. it. Yeah. So. Which I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's. I'm, I'm like, envious of their culture too. Like, honestly. Take my ass over there, honey. Okay. Point. I'm trying to go to Ghana for like, I wish I would have went for the year of return. And honestly, I would love to have my kid, like, have my kids connected to that type of culture in some mm-hmm. type of way. Like, just to be honest with you. So. Oh, so you going to marry yourself an African man? Most likely, girl. <laughs> you know, I always think of that episode of Martin when he had <laughs> the African prince, Prince Uche. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was, like, my first, like, um, I guess, like, awakening to, like, people in africa or like how they do things so i just thought everybody had like traces back to some rich like they had the um coming to america where they had mm-hmm. oh he got his own money mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean in reality we all are kings or queen king and queens yeah i said that right so yeah <laughs> okay so i guess we can move on to the main segment Okay, guys, so today we're going to be talking about um, birth order and how that affects your personality. So it's basically based on a theory by Adler, Alfred Adler. That's a tongue tie. <laughs> tongue tie <laughs> for me. But Adler was basically um, one of the founding fathers of psychology. Um, and he came up with a theory of birth order characteristics. So basically, um, this is just basically saying like how birth order influences and shapes a child's thoughts and behaviors. So keep in mind, like while we're going through this, every family is different so you know like everything else in psychology you know this is just like a general overview but if it doesn't fit you like that's completely okay so first thing we're going to go over is the only child so these characteristics include this person likes being the center of attention Um, especially adult attention often has like a hard time sharing with um, like peers and prefers adult company and uses adult languages Mm -hmm. language so they're these are the kids that are typically like way more mature than like their peers and just be all up in grown folks business (laughs) (laughs) i'm not an only child so i can't relate all right, so the next one is oldest. So the oldest child may become authoritarian or very strict and uh, feels like the power is his right or her right and can become helpful if encouraged, may turn to the father after the birth of the next child. So you may be naturally inclined to the mother and then when the next child comes along and the mother is sending to that child, now you're like a daddy's girl or you mm-hmm. know like a dad's guy. And um, this is going to be the child that's considered bossy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might, <laughs> I might be able to relate a little bit to that. <laughs> yeah, the first child is like typically like the natural leader, um, organized, because they had to learn, you know, learn all these different skills since the new child came along. 
um, bossy because they boss their other siblings around. Um, responsible, maybe obey the rules. I don't know. Do you feel like you're the oldest, right? I am, and um, if any of my siblings are listening, I don't need y'all to text me and like say nothing. Okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next one is um, the second child. So the second child is more competitive, wants to overtake the older child. Older child may become like a rebel or try to outdo everyone, and you know, just very competitive. Um, I mean, I'm the second child on my mom's and my dad's side. Now I think about it. I'm the oldest girl on my dad's side and the second child on my mom's side, but also the middle child. I don't think I'm that, (laughs) I don't think I'm that competitive, but I would consider myself kind of like a little bit of a rebel, but my sister was more of a rebel. So anyways, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. My sister that's under me is the second child to the T. (laughs) (laughs) all right so the next one is middle child um this child may be even tempered probably a take it or leave it attitude may have trouble finding a place or become a fighter of injustice so that is devin walker (laughs) i am a middle child and it also says like a middle child is like flexible easygoing social peacemaker independent secretive May feel like life is unfair. I do feel that. Strong negotiator. Yeah, I do. I don't talk about it much, but I do feel like life is unfair. I do have like, I definitely have that quote unquote middle child syndrome. Like this is the one that I associate and associate with the most. And also generous. And I think I have all those characteristics. I think I have all, every characteristic (laughs) of a middle child, honestly. That's funny. Mm Mm-hmm. So the next one was this mine? Yeah. No, this oh, one. That's mine. yours. Okay. Um, the youngest child. So this wants to be bigger than the others. May have huge plans that never work out. Um, the baby frequently spoiled. Um, the risk taker, pretty outgoing, creative, self-centered, <laughs> financially Ooh. irresponsible. Woo competitive bored easily likes to be pampered and has a great sense of humor hmm i'm trying to think i don't my brother is the last but i don't think those are all i mean he's so young though so i don't know that he will develop those qualities yeah my brother is pretty no my brother is almost is basically adult he has some of these qualities he definitely does um so, and then outside of those basic ones is also um, twins. So, twins tend to have identity problems, and the stronger one may become the lead. It's typically like, quote-unquote, air quotes, a stronger twin. Um, mm-hmm. The one that people seem to look at as the older one. So, yeah, I'm not a twin. <laughs> so, I don't know. I have no idea. How it feels to be a twin, but I can say like the twins that I do know, I did, I have picked up on that. Like it's one, that's yeah, like older, one that's like more mature. Yeah, mm. my uncles are uh, twins, and they definitely there's like a huge difference between them. They're, um, like you can you can tell which one is the 
older, more responsible one and which one is just kind of like the loose cannon? You definitely can. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, if y'all hear this ice cream truck. <laughs> you hear it? Yeah, I do hear it. <laughs> okay. I live in a hood, y'all. Not really, but kind of. Um, but anyways, so, you know, just outside the birth order um, theory, there are there can be subgroups because, you mm-hmm. know, like we said earlier, every family is different. Um, and, you know, it's no particular family. Like on TV, you know, you see two mom, I mean, a mom and a dad and then like three kids. Every family isn't like that. So we're going to talk about these subgroups as well. So one of the subgroups is just basically like differences in ages. So when um, there are gaps of three or more years between siblings, it's pretty common for like the birth order to restart. So in a family with many children, this create like different subgroups. Mm -hmm. So for example, and I can like um, attest to that personally because my sister is about seven older, seven years older than me, and I'm ten years older than my brother. We're, my mama spread us out, honey. Um, <laughs> and I can pick up like I feel like I do have. Sometimes I feel like I pick up some of the traits of an only child because we were so far apart. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also I feel like I can pick up some traits from. Like, being the youngest as well. So, yeah. Because you fall in both of them. Or you fall in, yeah, you, you have different roles because yeah. of the timeline. Mm-hmm. So, that makes sense. And then also, um, on my dad's side, I can I pick, so, I pick up some characteristics on the oldest as well. Maybe because I'm the oldest girl. I don't know. But my <laughs> siblings are super younger than me on my dad's side as well. Yeah, um, uh, I, I picked up some only child traits because I was the first. Mm-hmm. So it's actually kind of weird because most of high school people thought I was the only child. And my sister was a freshman when I was a senior. Really? That's yes, crazy. that is crazy. People think, honestly, people think I'm still the only child. And I'm like, do I get off the only child of vibes or what? People think I'm the only child. And I'm like, no, I got like six siblings on my dad's side. Two on my mom's side. I have a lot of siblings. Yeah. So, and honestly, when people, like, even people back from my hometown, they realize who my sister is. And they're like, we did not know y'all were sisters. And it's just like, yeah. I don't know what vibe I give off to make, or we give off. Because you said people say the same <laughs> thing about you. Like, yeah. I wonder because we're so independent, maybe. People think maybe. we're. I don't know. I, I know that. Because I know damn sure I don't give off spoiled vibes because I'm not spoiled. Oh, I've come to terms with mine. I am spoiled. But I'm, I'm spoiled because I spoil myself. Like, I, everything that I want, I get. But yeah, it's not like... Maybe I am spoiled. My, well, then again, I don't know. It depends. If you ask my siblings, they might say I always got what I wanted growing up, too. So, you know. Yeah. You never know. But I am the oldest of six. And, like, six that all lived in one household. My brother is the youngest, and he's 12. And I am... A number higher than 12. So, <laughs> and most of us have about three years between us, except my youngest sister mm-hmm. and my brother. I think they have more years. Well, she's like, is she 18 or 19? 
and he's 12. So, yeah, they have the huge, the biggest gap between mm-hmm. them. So, he's like the baby and the only boy, which is something we'll talk about, too. Okay. So, the next child or, um, you know, different kind of subgroup that can happen because, obviously, life happens. And sometimes that can change the characteristics or the birth order. It would be a ghost child. Um, this child may... Um, experience like the mother's over concern for their well-being um they may be a rebel and they may protest the feeling of being compared to the idealized memory so this is a child that someone has also known as like a rainbow baby Mm -hmm. so when um you know the parents have their first kid and let's say that kid passes during like birth or before the the next child was born then they're kind of like the ghost child because they fall into like that shadow of the child that is no longer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, I have no experience with that. But I can see why their characteristics would be like that. I yeah. definitely could understand that. Yeah, just the parents being overly concerned about mm-hmm. them and trying to protect them in all ways. Another subgroup is um, the adopted child. Um, so... This is basically like the parents may be like so thankful that they have a child that they spoil them or they may try to like compensate for the loss of their of the child's biological parents. So this child may be like very spoiled and demanding and then may resent or idealize um, his biological parents, his or her biological parents. Um, I actually have a friend that is adopted and I didn't know we were friends for a while before I found out. And yeah, and I kind of think she may, like, she kind of fit this a little bit. She does. She is very spoiled now I think about it. She's super spoiled. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's weird. That's funny because one of my friends, I found out that she was adopted, like, when, when she found out, which was kind of in like adulthood. So I don't know that she fits this very spoiled demand. Well, <laughs> so um th- all right so the next little subgroup that we can have in regards to things that affect the birth order is going to be the death of a sibling um this impacts the child's death uh as far as the family and um it includes the personalities of the surviving siblings some children may adopt or develop um overindulgent tendencies and also the glorification of the deceased child can occur where the other siblings can never live up to the pristine image of the deceased sibling so it's basically when a sibling passes and then the family has to now figure out their different roles Mm -hmm. but then they're also affected by this kind of image this angelic image of the child that's passed and trying to live up to you know the legacy that they left behind yeah that's sad. I can imagine how that could really... That's, like, traumatic, honestly. Very traumatic for, like, the parents and the siblings. Um, then also another subgroup is, like, health and mental issues. So if one of the children um, is born um, with, like, significant physical or, like, mental issues or, or let's say they may struggle with substance use... Um, they, those children may remain in the youngest position, regardless of birth order. Um, and I think that's very true. I can see like, Mm. yeah, from personal experience. Yeah, that's very true. Um, because it's just kind of like, 
whatever age they get diagnosed with that um, disability, they tend to kind of stay in that age mind frame. It's kind of like trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, You kind of stay in that age mind frame of whatever age you experience the trauma. So, yeah. Then the next subgroup is genders of siblings. So... So the first one is going to be the only boy amongst girls. And this is my brother because there's um, <laughs> six of us and it's five girls and one boy. He's the youngest. And um, it says may try to prove that he's the man of the house or um, show characteristics of like being unmanly or kind of womanly characteristics because mm-hmm. they're around so many women. And I know that that's something that affects my family like firsthand. And I feel like as with most black families, like there's a need to like try to push him into like manly stuff or like mm-hmm. push him into like not being, I guess you could say not being gay. I guess there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of black families that like have that fear with a boy being around so many uh, women. Mm-hmm. So I could see that one for sure. Well, and with my brother, he's very, He's very mild-tempered, and he's the one that kind of keeps us all sane, so. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And then the other one is only girl among boys. Um, so another common thing, like, with the siblings is the older brothers may act as her protectors, which is completely normal, They as they should. Um, but then also, like, the only girl among boys may either be very feminine or a tomboy. I mean, just kind of depends. Um, and then also outdo the brothers and may try to please the father. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause you know, fathers kind of tend to, you know, um, go towards the sons cause you know, they can do like manly things together. So they may do things to kind of just get their father's attention. Yeah. Um, so outside of that is the only, the other ones are like all boys and all girls. I don't really agree with this mm-hmm. part of the theory because it's <laughs> and it's kind of like Freud when they had the um how he had the theories about how like kids sexualizes the parents yeah like, I didn't really agree with that Freud was a crackhead and he was a racist <laughs> by the way um racist did y'all hear that <laughs> emphasis on the racist racist yeah <laughs> but on this part of the theory he said if the mother wanted a girl. He may he she may dress the boy as a girl or may dress the boy the girl as a boy and it's just like uh, I don't we don't really need to go into that because I really don't yeah agree I don't with that agree part. that people just dressing up their kids with how they what gender they want them to be yeah they got some problems if they do that so um other things that play part in like personality traits um as far as like birth order um is like biological so children may in um, inherit many traits and features from their parents so this can include like intelligence courage and of course physical features mm-hmm. and then also like socially um so by interacting with others in an individual social circle children learn behaviors and thought patterns from their experiences yep. and And another one is going to be cultural. A child growing up within a culture consciously or unconsciously adapts traits consistent with the culture's beliefs and norms, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like what we touched on earlier about um, Africans assimilating to Mm -hmm. the black culture. Yeah. And then uh, physical environment, which 
I can attest. Like that's Me always too. like a huge impact on on people. That's why I have my accent because <laughs> of my hometown. It says um, an individual's surroundings often impact the development of personality. For example, the personalities of those growing up in a rural area are very different than those growing up in a city. Yeah, very. And then lastly, like situational. So as a kid grows up, they face different situations which help them adapt and change to aspects of their personalities. Um, this could be like meeting new friends, experiencing a trauma, or of course welcoming welcoming a new sibling. And I can really attest to that because, um, for example, like for y'all who don't know, um, my father passed by suicide and I was the one that found him. And as you can imagine, that was a very traumatic experience. And I feel like that, I feel like I have like a period in my life, me, before my dad died and me after my dad died. And I feel like my personality before my dad died compared to after is completely different. So, mm-hmm. but I still, I'm still a middle child to the T. <laughs> so did you feel that, like, what do you would say is different? Did you feel like you have to step up more or? Yeah, I definitely had to step up because I also had to plan his funeral. So that was a lot of responsibility. Um, I just had to like just mature. I had to start making like more like mature decisions and just stuff like that, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can say kind of the same because well, not in the same situation, but I know that I experienced trauma growing up, and then when I was out of that physical environment of it mm-hmm. I, my personality definitely shifted because mm-hmm. i was like i was like the teacher's pet all my teachers loved me because i did not talk and i had straight a's and b's so Ooh, i was the opposite girl but i i was holding in like so much like it was just like being a child like literally from elementary school to high school just mm-hmm. holding in so much and then i went That's to college hard. and i was just like i'm not taking nobody's shit no more like <laughs> yeah as for me growing up i was very I've always been like a super outgoing person. I wasn't there really the teacher's pet, but I was just in the mix. Like, you know, I was just like, I feel like I was popular. I was just busybody. Basically, that's my that's how I got my nickname, Dizzybody. So yeah, and then afterwards, like I mellowed out a little bit more. Um, I definitely had more of a temper before my dad died, but now I kind of got it under control, but mm-hmm. it still pops out sometimes, but you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so which one do you feel like you identify the most with? Um, I definitely would say, let me go back and look. It's definitely oldest, obviously, cause I'm the oldest, but then also only child and, um, I think that's because, like, I'm, I'm just always, my siblings always, from the beginning of time, have said that I'm bossy, and I think I'm the mom, <laughs> I think I'm the parent, like, you're not my mom, so I know that I have that authoritarian type relationship with them, and mm-hmm. then how it says, like, can be helpful if encouraged, and it's like, that's literally, I be wanting them to ask me shit, but they don't ask me nothing because I'm so bossy, and I'm gonna just tell them what to do. <laughs> But when they just do, give it here, right? I'm like, nah, let me just do it for you. We should log in. Let me go ahead and fill out your password. Like mm-hmm. that's me. But like when they do call me, ask me for advice. Like, oh, that's something. My sister had asked me for advice the other day, and I was like, so it touched my heart. I was literally working, and she texted me, and I was like, 
Girl, just call me. Girl, I, I closed that laptop and I was like, let me let me help her out because I'm just <laughs> I get so giddy about stuff like that. You like being you like um giving advice for me. I do, I do. It makes me happy that people think that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, out of all of them, for me, I think I think I can identify with the oldest, um, the second, and the middle. But mostly the middle, like I said. It also said, like, um, as far as, like, family situation, middle child can often feel, like, sandwiched in. Mm-hmm. So, may feel squeezed out of a position of privilege and significance. And I can kind of get that a little bit. And I know, Mama, you listening. I say this every every episode. <laughs> and that's not, and that's not, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, your parents can do all that, but you can still feel like, oh, they pay more attention to, like, my older sibling or my younger sibling, I just kind of feel... And plus, with me had already having the characteristic of a middle child of being super independent, and my mama knew that and she saw that, um, I just kind of felt like I was just like... They just let you do your thing? Yeah, my mama literally let me do my thing because she knew I was good. Like, she knew I could handle myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely def- um, pretty social. I don't know about flexible, though. <laughs> I don't think I'm flexible. And I'm a strong negotiator. But definitely the um may feel like life is unfair. I don't know where I... Me and my therapist be talking about this. I don't know where I got this feeling from. I just be feeling like life is unfair. But I be pushing through it anyways. I'm not going to be no pessimist. You know what I mean? Right. But I do be having that feeling sometimes. Right. But you know... I'm looking at the list again, and oh my goodness. Okay, so it's, it also says, like, adult pleaser, and that is me. Like, when I do not agree with my mama, like, it's all, the end of the world, because she's just, like, really? she just thinks that I'm just always going to agree with her, and, like, all the adults just, everybody just thinks I'm the most reasonable person, so when something mm-hmm. pops off, I'm the one that everybody calls. Like, I will get three calls mm-hmm. coming in at once, because everybody's trying to tell me their version of everything first, mm-hmm. and then with the only child, I'm definitely unforgiving. I'm working on it with my therapist, but <laughs> but I'd be like, nope, see, nope, we not, nope, you done already crossed that line. We not going there no more. Yeah, and you know, also I saw um, this conversation on Twitter where they were saying like, um, you need to date like the um, somebody that's in the same position that has the same birth order as you. What? Um, because if you try to, if you're, if you're the um, oldest trying to date the only child i mean clearly that's gonna be kind of like like some headbutting going on well i thought okay so i've seen stuff it's funny because i've seen kind of the opposite like how you are supposed to date the opposite because if you like for instance if you're the oldest with me being the oldest if i date uh the only child or the youngest well not the only child we we gonna be beeped out but if I date mm-hmm. the youngest, that's like me taking care of them because they're like the baby. So I, I've heard that you are supposed to date like, you know, somebody that's the opposite of you versus two oldest mm. who are both like headstrong and bossy trying to date each other. So I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But I mean, the person I'm seeing is. Oh, the, cats out the back. I mean, y'all <laughs> anyways i ain't saying no names he's the youngest so and you're a middle child yeah i'm a middle child so like risk taker out going <laughs> <laughs> you over here looking like well wait a minute 
I mean, he ain't financially irresponsible. <laughs> but he is definitely competitive and he likes to be pampered. <laughs> and does get bored easily. Like he said that out of his mouth. That's interesting to like kind of compare it. Mm-hmm. I've definitely, as the oldest, I have almost always dated the oldest as well. And that's probably why, you know, it hasn't worked out too well. Because y'all are both natural leaders. <laughs> right. And then I'm supposed to be the woman I'm supposed to submit, you know. And, and just you like, just have a hard time, child. Listen, because when you're oldest, you set an example. So I be feeling like I have to do everything right. So I know how to, like, I know how to do everything. And what I don't know how to do, I'm going to figure that shit out. So mm-hmm. when it comes to dating, I be trying to, like, like, I have to almost dumb myself down in order to, like, make the guy feel needed and it's like hard i don't know it's unlearning i mean but why does it have to be dumbing yourself down well just like pretending that i can't do stuff you know playing a like helpless like rapunzel role you don't have to pretend just like i don't know i think it's the difference between like dumbing yourself down and just letting somebody lead but if you let a guy lead you gotta make sure like he's able to do that too. well when i let a guy lead i be feeling dumb so that's why i said dumb myself dumb. girl <laughs> no nah, i'm playing but... <laughs> we gotta work it out that's what i'm in therapy for you know that's that's the main topic <laughs> right <laughs> so um yeah that's pretty much all i have to say about it you have anything else on this nope it just confirmed what i already knew which was that the oldest is the best oh Okay, um, (laughs) asking for a friend, y'all. Asking for a friend. So for our first question, <laughs> um, give me a name, a guy name. Ooh, Devonte. Devonte. So Devonte said, "I've been in a relationship with a single mom for just over three years. During the first year, I never met her son because she was." reluctant about having anyone she was dating in her son's life as she should he was only six slash seven at the time for a whole year for a whole year she has some good boundaries but anyways (laughs) after about a year we slowly worked him into our life and it kind of took off quickly. We have gone on countless trips during the last two years. I've taken him trick-or-treating. We spent holidays together. All that good stuff. The issue is that I really do not want to continue the, my relationship with her for reasons that has nothing to do with him. In fact, if this was a childless relationship, I would probably have broken up with her months ago. I've expressed this to her, but she wants to continue what is the best course of action? I'm extremely miserable with everything about us, but it kills me to be out of her son's life. Signed, Devante. <laughs> Devante, how you let that girl tell y'all tell you y'all still together? Oh, first of all, but I know that's not the the purpose of the letter that you wrote, because it sounds like. 
I'm not saying she's using her son to keep you around, but it sounds like you're staying around because of the son. Um, I just think you should end it with her um, because that's what you want to do. And you can basically talk to her about possibly being in the son's life. Yeah, Yeah, like a mentor or just like some type of father figure or male, a positive male figure in her son's life. But if she says no, I mean, you got to respect that. Because, you know, biologically, he's not yours. So, I would just say just have that conversation with her um, and just prepare yourself for her to not really be open for that. And I'm also going to suggest, like, once if she does says no or even if she says yes, I think you should still go to therapy and process this because that sounds stressful. Yeah. I mean, ooh, child. That's a hard situation, especially when it's a kid that's not biologically yours. So it's like you really don't. You could walk away and wash your hands of this whole situation like it never happens. It says a lot about his character, though. Yeah, that would say a lot about his character. But like you don't have any like financial ties or like obligations to him and the son. I mean, her and the son. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you are really just dedicated to it, I think that you could also... If you're not really, I mean, cause I don't know, that would complicate things in your next relationship or like, let's say your next relationship is like a marriage that would complicate a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I would say do whatever you feel inclined to do. Like if you, if you're over her and want to break up with her, that's fine. If, but it doesn't seem like she's going to be the type of person that's going to allow you to be in her son's life after this. Just out of spitefulness, maybe, but who knows? You you know, maybe she'll she'll allow it. But I would say prepare yourself for either way, and um, also you know maybe even try to like phase yourself out if you think that maybe you can try to get a feel for what she would think on it before you finally like say those things like hey this is over and I'm I'm leaving just in case she says no, and try to like phase yourself out if you get the vibe that she's not going to allow it because it's going to be very traumatizing for the child just to have like a clean cut break with you um but at the same time if that's what she wants then you have no control over that so i would say just take it a day at a time Mm -hmm. but whatever you want be clear on what you want see if that's something that she's open to but also be receptive to if she's not yeah I would also say, how she said seven, eight, nine, ten. Personally, I may will try to have a little conversation with the son. If y'all like do things like go get ice cream or you pick him up from practice or something, but you don't want to overstep your boundaries. Um, she may be upset about that, but you could have a just a real conversation with him mm-hmm. and just let him know like you would like to still be in his life. Um, but you know, things aren't really working out between him and, I mean, you and his mom. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's kind of like tricky territory though. Yeah. Cause you have to like have that conversation with him and then immediately have that conversation with her because yeah. she definitely gonna find out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but yeah, maybe it's a good idea cause you may like him, like you may like the child and like want to keep him around, but does the child like you? That's a good question too. <laughs> Because maybe he does, but maybe the child could be like indifferent, like oh, it's cool to Mm -hmm. just get a break from my mom, but I don't care whether that break comes from you or from a family member or whoever. You know, I see that. 
So that's something to consider too. Like yeah. it's one thing if y'all have like a very close knit, you know, relationship with each other versus like you just kind of have to y'all have kind of built this routine. Mm-hmm. So just check in on that too with little guy, little fella. Okay, well, we wish you the best, Devontae. Right. Let us know how it go. All right, so I need a name. Angelica Pickles. Okay, so Angelica Pickles says, My younger sister and I are very close. We had a rough childhood. We're only 13 months apart, and she's always been my favorite person to be around when things are going well. But she also has some anxiety issues that drive me crazy. She just left after visiting my city, and I'm still trying to unclench Ooh, <laughs> her quote-unquote lost earphones that are always in her bag mean being drawn into a frantic search that involves me calling my husband to work and calling my husband at work to make sure he didn't do something with them a change in plans while she's out doing tourist things means a phone call to me while i'm working so i can plot a new subway course for her a hotel hold fee on her credit card means Another phone call to help figure it out. Even after the hotel has reassured her, it will be refunded. And she never seems to be having a good time, which breaks my heart. So two questions. First, how can I help her? I've casually talked to her about therapy and how much it helped me process my childhood stuff. But she thinks therapy is just about assigning blame and stirring things up. I've told her that hasn't been my experience. And uh, she also believes that people should just power through their problems. Second, how do I protect myself from the craziness that this causes? When we were younger, it was fine. But now that I have a family, I'm more aware of how exhausted and irritable it makes me and how focused I am on her to the exclusion of everybody else. I love my sister and I really want to enjoy our relationship again, but it's very painful to watch her like this and hard to deal with. Sign Angelica Pickles. It doesn't sound like sis is power through in life. <laughs> yeah. First of all. Honestly, definitely sounds like you need to set some boundaries. Um, the world, it sounds like she thinks the world is supposed to stop when she has a problem. When she has a problem. And maybe letting her know that in the moment, I'm sorry, I cannot stop to solve your problem right now. I'm busy with XYZ and go from there. Or even you can um, take the approach of like just having the conversation with her and pointing out these things, like giving specific examples, but also prefacing like, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Don't want to offend you, but here are some things that are concerning me. And let her know that you can't drop things um, just to help her solve her problems or help her calm down. And you think therapy would really be useful. And if she doesn't want to go to therapy, that's really, I mean, that's her decision, but you can't continue to enable her like that. Um, as far as like, what is the other part she said that she said that, um, Oh, like her second question. No, like she does something else. So like, she has to change her subway routes if she wants to go somewhere else for her. She has to change that. And then she has to, like, call the credit card companies if there's a hold on her credit card. And um, if her earphones are lost, they, she has to help her search mm -hmm. for it. But it was something else that they, she said. Uh -huh. Oh, it doesn't seem like she's having a good time. Oh, yeah. And ask her, are you having a good time? <laughs> and if she's not, just be like, okay, what would 
take for you to have a good time? Like, why are you not having a good time right now? It mm-hmm. definitely sounds like she is, like, maybe struggling with anxiety. Um, but, I mean, of course, I can't. I'm not diagnosing her. I'm not formally diagnosing her because um, I don't know her. Um, it could be anything, really. And it does, I mean, but the first step is, it's kind of like with substance use treatment when a therapist is dealing with a family who has a family member that struggles with using drugs um but they still enable them so they may still you know bail them out or may still Mm -hmm. give them a place to lay without uh, without paying rent we all as therapists we always tell them to cut them off because sometimes it takes for people to hit the bottom for them to um reach out for help so that you can apply that same um perspective to your sister so just kind of not necessarily cut her off completely but like cut stop helping her stop running to her rescue when she's having these moments of anxiety yeah and what was the second question um how does she how do I protect myself from the craziness this causes? Oh, um, just what I said. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I agree. I completely agree. I mean, you, you're going to have to box her into her shit. Because she thinks that she's just powering through life. Because that's what you and your family and love her loved ones have, you know, y'all have enabled her to the point where she thinks that she's doing life just fine. And that's not the case. So... Um, you're gonna have to just make it a hard stop on everything because you have no choice at this point because like you said you are it's affected by your family mm-hmm. it's affected by um, your day-to-day routine when she's in in the city and that's not okay like it's not okay to have someone come and just disrupt your life because although it may have worked that doesn't mean that it has worked well and, mm-hmm. and your family is probably being affected just as you are being affected so it's very important to like try to nip it in the bud and if she doesn't believe in therapy or thinks that she needs to go that's fine let her but let her sit in her shit because once she's sitting in her shit and she has like that moment where it's just like damn like i really can't do this this thing called life on my own Mm -hmm. then she'll look for resources and tools and as long as you and the rest of the family stop enabling her then she will be forced to get the help that she needs I agree totally. Yep. So that is it. Hopefully that helps you out, Angelica Pickles. And yeah, if you, if any of you guys have any questions, whether it's advice about therapy, self care, or relationships, whatever you want to write in about, um, and it doesn't have to be long. It can be very short. Um, but send that email to advice at selfcaregang.com and we'll be happy to read it it will be absolutely anonymous and we will give you the best advice that we can yes so let's get into the meditation minute um today i'm going to be playing my sound bowls giving y'all some sound therapy so let's get into it Okay, so for meditation minute, like I said, I'm going to do some sound therapy with my sound bowls. So sound therapy is really good because it's effective not only for achieving a state of relaxation, but it also has a way of moving through blockages in the body emotionally. So it also helps with stress, anxiety, all that good stuff. But then it also helps with like, um, so it's a state between like, your deep sleep and being consciously awake 
And that's a state that you want to hit when you're meditating. So that helps you get into that state. So let's go.
Namaste, gang.